Hola, listeners. Welcome to the Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I'm Whitney. And I'm Heather. Out of 20 possibilities, a long time ago, <laughs> we rolled Scourge of the Gods, Born in Darkness, book one of three by Thomas A. Farmer. We also rolled for drinks. That's actually a lie. We did not roll for drinks. <laughs> <laughs> we brought drinks. <laughs> we brought drinks because the rolling for drinks was so long ago. Um, so I have red, red wine. And uh, I have a regular full leaded Coke, which is pretty out of the normal for me. I know you don't usually do caffeine <laughs> anything, but you are dragging because <gasps> Prego baby number two is yes. a butthole but can we i are, say your butthole oh no he is he is <laughs> i i will love him dearly and he will be my squishy and i will love him but i'm ready for him to get out we have all, all, only nine weeks to go and it's it's past time so we're gonna do at some point we're gonna do a uh, crazy podcasting session um closer to due date because you got a little cray cray last time oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well anyway guys stick around and see what chaos we come up with today Heather, um, I kind of just put a little blurb on from Thomas A. Farmer's Amazon page yeah. describing the book. And you're such a great teacher who can read well. Can you make, like, is that a pretty good description? Yeah, yeah, here we go. I'm going to let you read it because uh, you're a pro at this. Do you want me to do my teacher voice? Teacher voice activated. Born in Darkness begins with a mysterious facility at the edge of human space. Victoria quickly learns one thing. The Madagas are trying to kill her. They arrived 30 years ago, killing everything in their path. For two and a half decades, the Madagas roamed unchecked until they attacked Kippos, and the six hexarchs of the technocracy devised a way to beat them. Project Titan. Engineered to be an unstoppable super soldier, Victoria should have been one of six titans trained to fight the Madagas. Trapped by an unforeseen disaster, Victoria must fight desperately to survive long enough for the people who should have been training her to mount a rescue. Bum, bum, bum. So this really does kind of set the scene for what's going to happen. And this book was one of the more interesting books that I've read in a really long time um, because it's, it's completely out of my norm. It is right up my alley genre wise of things that I like to read. Uh, it's kind of fantasy, kind of sci-fi, very futuristic, almost post-apocalyptic because of the events that have caused this disaster for Victoria and the people. Uh, but it was still outside of the norm for those genres. Uh, it felt it felt very new in terms of how the the different characters were focused on, but it felt very old at the same time. Like having different chapters from different characters or perspectives reminded me of like mid 20th century American authors like Faulkner and people like that. But having that applied to a sci-fi novel um, was very different for me. I also thought that it was very, I hate to say the reference, but Game of Thrones mm -hmm. only because like that's the most popularized version to like people can understand the serialized anthology mm -hmm. type storytelling, if I'm using the right word. Yes. Um, but like I, I almost like Robin Hobb is way better at that to me mm -hmm. and female. Whoop, whoop. So because uh, I really don't like 
douche nozzle. Sorry. I'm oh. not going to even say his name. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but it felt very much like Game of Thrones inspired, mm -hmm. like, even if it's not an intentional inspiration, like, it, it told it told the story like that. It set up a huge scene. There was a lot going on that I, I, I wrote down at, like, 15%. What's going on? 30%. Still no clue because I just was kind of tracking myself. Well, and I think because our main character, Victoria she's a very unreliable narrator and that she has no idea what's going on. She, she doesn't have, like she knows her goal is to survive, but her survival is driven by the memories implanted in her from past people who have failed at surviving. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know why she needs to survive just that she has this deep drive and desire to, as most people would in her situation. Um, you don't want to die a terrible, painful death that you have thousands of memories. Not quite. 99 of them. She's number 100. <laughs> but. Oh, maybe we should say spoilers. Oh, yes. uh, we're not. We, we are going to. It's going to help you that we are spoiling yes. it, though, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, so it's not necessarily. We're not going to spoil the actual ending of the book or anything. But we are going to give you lots of bits and pieces to kind of help you along the way. I because will only spoil the ending by telling you that it doesn't end. There are two more books in this series. Yes. <laughs> so. Which is why we were very important on saying book one of three. Yes. <laughs> and it very much is one story that has been split into three sections because mm -hmm. there was just so much information yes. from the author. And I need a dictionary <laughs> while reading this book. And I'm not sure if it's because of the young adult that I usually read or the normalized fiction that I usually read, but I've talked many times where I can appreciate a book and love a book and it still not be kind of a book for me because mm -hmm. I'm not, it's not, I'm not the typical audience. I really had to have a dictionary while reading this book. There were <laughs> the things that I struggled with the most in this book were actually some of the, the technicalities of the fight scene. Um, the author Thomas Farmer is, uh, I think very well known within the sword fighting. I put the stabby scenes are written well. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is it h-e-m-a hema i'm not sure how they they titled the the kind of sword play that that mr farmer takes part in but he um he's a sword fighting instructor i'm i'm sorry if i'm not doing your sport justice at all by talking about it in this way um but it's very obvious he has technical knowledge of of battle play and there were certain move terms used or or actions taken that like I don't know what they mean. And I had trouble picturing those scenes in my head. I just knew that it was a very intricate fight and that a lot of things were getting smashed, stabbed or brutalized. Well, I, I guess what I mean by the stabby scenes are, well, yes, I don't know the jargon. Yeah. Like in, in when I can't remember who said this. And I know we said this in one of our previous episodes, mm -hmm. I think it was in monstrous because of the unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> You kind of have to write to a, a, a generalized audience mm -hmm. to get the broadest range. Yes. And I, I think that the majority of my reading comes from that well. And this is a very niche written sci-fi book that is written very well. And anyone who has any swordplay experience is going to understand what that is and understand that jargon. But again, it is jargon because mm -hmm. we don't know what this is. And I really wish... 
And for future editions, I hope that when, um, cause he's, he's a great author, this, he's going to take off really well. The sci-fi community definitely appreciates, uh, Thomas A. Farmer's books, but I want a reference page. I love books so like Game of Thrones and other yeah, novels. Like Robin just Hobbs, to tell you what map. some of those they've terms They've got an appendix. Are. They've got a, I, um, I wrote down the socialized, the social hierarchies just mm -hmm. to understand because these mad magistrates or oh, the hexarchs and the the different levels of lords and the madagas yeah the, the, just a societal tree would help because mm -hmm. at 46 percent of the book i finally kind of understood what was happening mm -hmm. i finally got got in so that's kind of really my only thing um it, this books this book and the series i'm sure has so much combat yes it is very combat heavy uh well and and I kept trying to play it in my mind like an action film because it's so combat yeah, heavy. That was a great way to do it too. And because, but because I didn't know some of the the terminology for the the actual combat that was happening, I, I struggled to to see those scenes in my head. I just googled everything and then reread <laughs> paragraph. Like if I didn't understand yeah. something, I just redid the. Now the paragraph. social structure felt very familiar to me, even though he has invented all of this with the hexarchs and, and the various degrees Such of lordship. Such rich detail invented. But it too. reminded me a lot of Dune and some of the different social structures that take place in the Dune novels. Yep. And it reminded me of, um, I'm hesitant to say Star Wars because I don't want those fans to come for me. No. But just the fact that there are different social structural levels of Jedi versus Force user well, there's, versus... there's six different lords. Yes. And under each of the six lords who are all working together to combat this, we're not going to explain it. He didn't really tell us. Mm -hmm. It's to be determined. This, this evil entity is coming from another world, another galaxy, mm -hmm. another realm, and is coming at, to kind of attack this this little system, this little yeah. tiny planet system. And there's six lords. And under each of the lords, there's different levels of lords and hexarchs and things mm -hmm. and people. So you really just have to have that, that brain and the capacity to hold six or seven different storylines multiplied all the way And there's down. a lot of almost political intrigue between them. Each, each of the hexarchs are like, what is this other person doing? Mm -hmm. Is what I'm doing it's very cloak and dagger, very yes. red herring, which very... is also similar to game of Thrones right. in, in that there's that political play. So many moving pieces. Mm -hmm. um, I love the usage of the Greek pantheon um, and the Roman pantheon, which is based mm -hmm. off the Greek pantheon. There's a lot of, uh, gods and goddess references mm -hmm. and names. And when you, when you have that history behind that God or goddess or the line of uh, pantheon or mythology, See, those that he's are the discussing, things I was having to Google. <laughs> See, and that's the stuff that I know yeah. as a witch, like mm -hmm. with a witch background. And I study a lot of the Greek pantheon and that, that was all very interesting, mm -hmm. very colorful. It added a whole new level of a, a dimension for me. But again, you kind of have to know that information to be aware See, that, I, to, to even look that up. And you wouldn't have known to look I up. I recognized that they were like Greek pantheon names, but like I couldn't tell you the difference between like Artemis and Diana off the top of my head. I would have to like Google something like that. And so for the people that were being referenced in the stories that were being pulled upon, um, those are the things that I was having to Google a lot of. Um, I, yeah. 
On some like super positive notes, I freaking love that there are so many badass warrior women. Mm -hmm. I mean, he he wrote in such a great line of strong ass women. Everyone's got an equal spot. It's not this isn't a female driven book. No, but there are many like there gives equal platform to both male and female warriors, I and also, I really liked that. I also liked that the word lord is attributed to men and women equally. Mm -hmm. it's, it, there's it, there's not even an importance of gender in this book. Like, yes, women are the badass warriors most typically, um, and women are in charge of a lot of things. Some hexarchs are women, some are men. But the fact that anybody could hold a title based on, on their ability and their rank and things like that, with it didn't matter. It wasn't like lordess or duchess or anything like that differentiating woman from man like they were still all equal based on just whatever rank they held yeah and it was really interesting that he he allowed that universe to kind of expand within mm -hmm. it, it wasn't just necessarily a lottery like a birth lottery type situation you very much could come from nothing and be a lord yes. be named a lord one of the females did did such such yes. uh a line to the throne, well, not throne because it's not a throne, but no. to the seat in the, the seat of lordship. The audience, yeah. yeah. There were also a couple of times where, well, not not just a couple, because one of the main protagonists is her name is Victoria. She named herself. It's kind of the person you were talking about at the mm -hmm. beginning, and her all of her scenes I highly identify with because she is the constant with Victoria is that she is in survival mode from start of the book to end of the book. Yes. And she is one of the Titan champions, if you will, that is going to that. So each Lord is building their Titan champion mm -hmm. in whatever scientific methodology that they see fit. Yes. And there's Through a lot of experimentation. Yeah, yeah. Experiments. Um, it's some of them are human, well, humanoid mm -hmm. figures that are in armor. Some of them are genetically modified humanoids. There's all different levels. Of One thing that I found interesting and disturbing all at once. Um, I cannot remember which hexarch it is, but his is the tightness that, um, She's very good at like identifying things about people just by like reading them. The android? Yes. Okay. The female um, android. There's two androids, a male and a female. Yes. She um, volunteered for the experiment. They talk about how she, why she had chosen to volunteer for this, the experience that she had had. I'm calling them androids and I don't think that that's fully no, accurate. No, she's like it was cybernetic all that bio, yeah, enhancements tons, or something. Tons of it though. I think mm -hmm. she's more cybernetic than not. I think yes. that's why I went, why I said androids. Um, but, but I knew exactly who you were talking about yeah. as soon as you used the word. But I often is it Palace Sophia? For Sophia? Uh, no, that is the oh, helper yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the the other Victoria yeah. Hex. Yeah, uh, but she volunteered, and she talks very briefly about why she chose to volunteer. She experienced so much loss, and she was so upset that the Madagas had done what they had done, and so she volunteered herself up for these experiments. I often sat wondering through a large portion of the beginning of the book, like. Is Victoria a volunteer similar? She's not. And and you later learned that she yeah. is not. And I really wanted, like the whole time I was, I'm assuming she's not a volunteer because of, of how we see her born out of this pod and things like that. And I really felt like the hex art that was in charge of her, Tridamedes or whatever his name is, mm -hmm. um, 
try to genies. I'm so sorry, Thomas. Well, I mean, it's just, I can't pronounce them. Yeah. We can't pronounce these words are very difficult. Um, but I, I really had framed him in my mind to be a bad guy until we started to learn like exactly what the Madagascar had been doing. And like, but, but part of me was like, okay, is this like Victoria against her, her creator overlord? Or is this Have you seen resident evil? No. Or play the resident evil games, no. Alice. So it's, this is a, it's in that frame in my personal opinion because she wakes up not knowing who she is mm -hmm. she goes and fights she's badass she's been genetically modified victoria is essentially there's a hundred clones of victoria and right. the previous one she's the last one and it's very post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. it's they he's like every bad guy that we know in all history and time mm -hmm. is the good guy in their story yeah. and and they explain that that history. So it's a very gray, there's not black and white with try to try to genus or Thank try you. to genes or something like yeah. that. But try to genus is how I think I'm going to pronounce it. And he is a bad guy. Yeah. To me, he's a bad guy. Right. He does some despicable things, but he does it for a greater thousands good and thousands of people in their realm that they're mm -hmm. trying to save. So he created 100 clones to like he didn't ever think he'd get to a hundred, but he got to a hundred. And yeah. she's badass because of all the women that came, the women clones that came yeah. before her. And it's just we sound like we're talking all over the place, but when you read this book, you're gonna understand why. Because there's so many things you can yes. talk about. Um, so the lady that you're discussing, mm -hmm. the Titan, the female Titan that you're yes. discussing that chose to go under all these cybernetic technology mm -hmm. augmentations. I had a question for you. Okay. Would you augment your brain to be able to turn off optics? Like I'm air quoting optics to like see colors, to experience things because the guy, there's a male Titan and a female Titan, two different hex arcs that both have had tons of cyber yes. technology done to them. And like he, he turns off his normal senses. So like the, the normal five senses that you and I experience as humanoids, mm -hmm. he turns them off and he sees conversation in color. I, there are definitely times where I wish I could turn off certain ones of my senses. <laughs> um, sitting in my block of, of 24 boys with only eight girls in the room, I would turn off my sense of smell in a heartbeat High school boys do not know the power of deodorant yet. <laughs> Oof. And they think that Axe body spray is a replacement for deodorant. Well, it do, it, to, to be fair to them, it does say deodorant It does say spray. it. It's they just not need the antiperspirant. Yes. Different things. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would love to turn off my sense of smell in that moment. Um, and I've, I've heard some people say they hear things like music as color instead. And just to be able to see something like that would really intrigue me. But I don't know that I would go to the extent of of modifying my whole body to be able to accomplish that. Well, there is there are certain peoples uh, for, to bring to like to to glean from your bit of information there. There are certain groups of people, and I can't remember the actual scientific terminology for it or medical condition, but I have it. So. I'm, I'm bipolar, as we've discussed in previous mm -hmm. episodes, and there are certain days where the color is literally leached oh. from my vision. Because of some of the chemical whatever happening Something in your brain happens. with depression. Yeah. Something happens because the brain is so 
twisty. Yeah. But something happens and there's a color depression button that is pushed, that is depressed, and it it immediately wipes out color. It's really bizarre. No one believes you. Of course, why would they believe you? I wouldn't believe me. But there are moments where the greens aren't green anymore. Mm -hmm. They're this tiny, tiny little filtered version of a green. And so it's, it's not like, really it's a like green. the commercials on TV you see when someone has allergies and then they peel the, the film away from the TV Absolutely. screen. And, and can, it's funny. And now they're yeah. saying it's clear. Yeah. It's very similar. It's, it's very much a Snapchat <laughs> or Instagram filter. You, it's just bizarre. It's very bizarre. Yeah. And it, it's like as they're describing that part and the, when, when they have the moment where she transfers one of her superpower abilities to him, mm -hmm. like she essentially is able to tap in and reprogram his senses. And that was really exciting. Like when they had like could talk to each other without ever moving their lips. Mm -hmm. Like it just, the brain is so weird to me and such a beautiful and scary complex thing. Like all of our existence is in that the brain piece of is, muscle. So because I worked in an emergency room um, for a while, I, I saw the insides of body parts sometimes that I never wanted to see. And we had had a woman come in that had had a, a terrible, tragic accident. Uh, she, she was deceased, but um, I got to see her brain. And I, I, I sat there looking Which at it. Which sounds disgusting, but it's also pretty right, exciting. Like, I, like, it's pretty exciting, though. Like, I'm looking at this brain, and I'm like, I don't understand how you function or do what you do, because you are like a sort of fatty tissue blob of <laughs> Like, how you function and work is beyond me. And why we humans have achieved what we have achieved because of this blob of mess. Like that, that was a day I began to question whether existence was real or not, because it just looking at it, it made no sense to me. So yeah, brains are, brains are, brains are crazy cool and they do awesome things, but um, I, I don't know how or why. And if brain scientists could ever explain it to me after having seen one, uh, I'd be down for it because I don't I don't get that at all. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I don't think that anyone can ever. I don't think anyone can ever explain it to us. Um, I I wanted to to kind of throw back into the book real quick because there were a couple of quotes that I wanted to reference. And uh, so one of them that I thought was pretty weird was. Uh, so in this society, it's not polite to, you have to phrase everything yes. in a certain manner. You can't, you have to make it look like if you were one of the Lords, you have to make it look like if you're asking for a request or you're wanting to help the other Lord, you can't, you have to make it, you have to reword the question as though you are the one that is deficit in deficit and yes. needs to, get help from the one that's actually needing the help. Yes. So like you're making it, you have to word it in a way that makes it look like it's a favor to mm -hmm. you that they allow you to help them. Yes. Does, am I saying all those yes, words that makes in the right sense. order? Um, so like one, one of them, one of the Lords wanted to offer the use of the facility, but that gesture would have been insulting a backhanded way of telling her that her own training facilities were subpar by acknowledge. I mean, 
And one end, they're subpar, they're just different. So he couldn't say, hey, would you like to use my facility? He had to reword it. So he, fa- he phrased things as a request asking for help. To ask another technocrat for help was neither a sign of weakness nor of failure. Rather, it was a sign of strength and mutual appreciation. The insult came when one person forced their help on another without first being asked. Mm -hmm. And I really love this dream world of Tom Farmers because that's such a beautiful way of putting it. Mm -hmm. He also later acknowledges like emotional labor and the importance of emotional labor and the quality that like the, the, the need for the emotional labor to be done by all parties. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of wanted to, to nod that to him specifically, because that's such a beautiful, a beautiful thing to, to you. We have to, as a society kind of reword our things and, and use like, it's a systematic thing that Mm -hmm. has, that, that puts down gender, race, sex, creed, like all this information. And I just liked, I just wanted to kind of give a nod to that. Um, Artists and writers are essentially their own small business. So if you enjoyed hearing about this novel and are interested in the rest of the trilogy, please seek out Thomas A. Farmer's Amazon page and Patreon. And we're going to have that in our show notes, hopefully. He states on the Patreon page that he is normally a science fiction author, but on his Patreon page, an idea took root in his brain and refused to leave. And so he wants you to come along with him to a world of six-gun-toting cowboys, spell-slinging witches, and sword-wielding samurai. And that just sounds like a lot of fun. So yes. um, I've, the first chapter's free on his Patreon. It's a lot of fun. He's getting a lot of local authors for things to kind of illustrate the pages. And it's just been fun. Well, and... For those of you that like to support local authors, especially, um, I got to the end of this book and I was actually shocked to see my own name in the acknowledgements. Yeah, me too. I had completely forgotten. I I used to do a lot of beta testing and reading for people and and I've helped out at some local author books. I don't even remember what I did to get my name in this book. I might have bought something or supported something. Well, I think, something. I think we, you submitted to the Patreon. Like, or not Patreon, the Kickstarter, yeah. Indiegogo, or whatever he did. He did a crowdsourcing thing, but, and he um, donated. But I love supporting local authors so much that sometimes I'll read a book after it's come out, and I'm like, oh, my name's there. How did that happen? So um, It's very exciting to see your it name is. in a book. <laughs> so if you support local authors, you can also end up getting your name in print, even if you've never written anything yourself. And it's, it's a super nice, exciting. It's a nice little fun thing to see. Now, we are not going to roll D20 because we are going to be discussing a friend's book that came out recently, and just like we did with Scourge of Gods. So uh, we are going to roll real quick for our drinks. Uh, I rolled a 10, so I'm going to be drinking some rum. What'd you roll? I rolled an 11, so I'm going to be drinking some water. Awesome. We redid our numbers, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, Heather? Uh, we are reading Cult of Dracula by writer Rich Davis and artist Georges Genty for next time. We had another fun one-off today here at Adventure Seed Podcast. Follow our quest, Adventure Seed Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, wherever you get podcasts. May the dice always be in your favor. Roll well. Roll well.